0: Hey Travelers, just stopping by to let you know that this episode that you are about to listen to is one of our older ones, and we were going through some growing pains at this time. But if you would like to start from where we consider our newest era of quality, I would go ahead and jump to episode 54, The American Bigfoot. Either way, enjoy Travelers.
1: Welcome to Infinite Rabbit Hole. I am your co-host, CJ, here with... Jeremy. That's me. Wow.
0: <laughs> I'm not used to being on this side. You're exuberant. <laughs> Anyways, we're kind of talking about a different kind of topic today. Phobias.
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be a good one, too, because phobias are going to be kind of an important concept for a lot of the topics we have coming up in the future. So this will be a nice uh, way to lay down a foundation, and understand the difference between a fear and a phobia, and like really understand that some of the things we're gonna be talking about later have a have a lot to do with fear, and and uh, why we won't directly be discussing them. There's gonna be a lot of fear based observation um, for some of the things going on, and a lot of like conspiracy and government agencies and and low key stuff like the Illuminati and whatnot. They they work off of fear. They Found their foundation of their operation is how, how much they can scare people into doing what they want. Uh, so it's kind of good to talk about it.
0: Absolutely. You know, the other day when I was talking to you and I was like, Hey man, what do you want to talk about? You said you wanted to talk about phobias and one in particular. And I was like, Ooh, man, I don't know. That's like, that's so outside my wheelhouse, but I was intrigued. So I did some research onto it and man, I'll tell you, it was very easy to fall down this rabbit hole.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. For 100%. claustrophobia is crazy. So, choleraphobia. Before we really get into choleraphobia, shouldn't we like give like a foundation for that too? Like, like, you know, what's a fear, what's a phobia, and the basis behind that, and the science uh, within a phobia?
0: Well, here. So, according to Healthline.com, a phobia is an excessive and irrational fear reaction. Often many people will confuse being uncomfortable with something as a phobia, but having a phobia is much worse and can actually be clinically diagnosed. Top 10 phobias. You got any uh, idea what any of these could be?
1: Um, I know the first two are arachnophobia. Then uh, I can't remember the name for it, but it's the fear of snakes. Uh, I don't remember after that. All right. So I I checked on
0: psychology.com and they had a really cool article where they they talked about the top 10. We're just going to go backwards here, kind of list them off and see if there's any surprises in here. So number 10 is mysophobia. By the way, guys, I... I highly apologize for any mispronunciation, but mysophobia is the fear of germs or dirt.
1: Yeah. That's uh, one of those um, phobias that are considered a complicated phobia.
0: You know, I knew somebody who was a- afraid of like their hands. They had to wash their hands after every single thing they did. And it wasn't just one of those things where it was like, okay, I just used the bathroom. I'm going to wash my hands. That's something that you're taught as a kid. This was like, I just picked up this cup from the cabinet. I got to wash my hands before I touch the milk in the refrigerator. Wash my hands after that so I could touch the cup and the milk. It was that insane. And I didn't realize the meaning behind it all until I, I you know, I'm not going to lie, I kind of sidetracked and went down a different hole in this one and kind of did some research into that because I was so curious as about, about what my childhood friend used to go through. That's some insane stuff, man. So people really go crazy
1: with that one. Yeah, and then the the biggest thing about uh, myso- mysophobia, I think, is how you say that is that they used to confuse it with obsessive compulsive disorder, and they actually had to reclassify it as a phobia because it's not technically obsessive compulsive because because you have to think um, a-, a phobia is actually an anxiety disorder. You know, I didn't I didn't actually look to see if uh, OCD falls within in the realm of anxiety disorder, but I know that the the whole germaphobe. Uh, concept um was moved and reclassified from o c d to phobia
0: hmm all right so number nine Taromer, hanophobia. anyways it's the fear of flying
1: yeah that's that's crazy um i actually uh in during my research I read about that and they're saying that it's a a completely irrational fear being that uh flying is like eleven thousand or eleven million times safer than driving a car and that actually had me thinking like yeah but if we were in the air as often as we are in a car would it really be safer
0: yeah that's one of those things where you got to play the numbers game to see if it really is safe that's that's definitely an interesting point
1: yeah, yeah it's like it's like measuring crime rate in one country to another just because of total numbers instead of per capita it doesn't make sense
0: right so number eight is social phobias I'm sure everyone's seen somebody with a social phobia or know somebody or
1: has a social phobia. I'm surprised that one's not higher up. Yeah, I have a social phobia. Really? I cannot handle large groups of strangers being behind me. I need to be able to see them and I'll press my back up against the wall or I'll have an entire anxiety attack. Jeez, man. I have
0: like I don't like going to Walmart. (laughs) (laughs)
1: no it's not it's not like that like um i can handle being in stores and and like walking outside and stuff but if you place me inside a room where there's people in very close proximity and in large numbers uh, i need to be able to see that crowd because i don't trust them i'm not i'm not it's weird because like a phobia you think it's like fear and it doesn't inspire fear in me it just gives me anxiety attacks because i don't know what's going on i don't trust the situation and I have to have my back against a wall so I can see everybody and know that, like, no one's going to jump me or something.
0: Well, that's one of the biggest symptoms of somebody actually having a phobia as to just a, an uncomfortable feeling or a fear of something is that the, they literally feel like they're having anxiety attacks when when they're put in these situations.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no. It's 100% an anxiety attack. I know exactly what they feel like.
0: Oh, man. So, uh, all right. Never mind. We'll, stay, we'll stick to this. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Anyways, number seven uh trypanophobia,
1: which is the fear of injections i got that one too really see i don't yep. have a problem with it it's okay like you can stick me with a needle and i can get tattoo i love getting tattoos but um if i can see the needle it's a problem my blood pressure will shoot straight up through the roof and i'll start really? sweating and stuff yeah can't handle needles oh
0: man the navy just needles you all the time
1: <laughs> like, all like i said i can i can handle it like the pain like it doesn't hurt like once you stick me with it like i'm okay i don't even say ow where i don't wince, nothing i just yeah i don't like the idea of a substance being in- injected underneath my skin and it's so i can't see it i can't see it it makes me uncomfortable i don't trust it but i can handle it like i go get a tv shot and they're like we're gonna poke you i'm like all right cool just let me know so i look away And then don't tell me when you're about to do it. Just stick me and get it over.
0: (laughs) So in boot camp, they have an assembly line for shots. You literally you have a piece of paper and it's clipped to your chest and you just walk through this this tunnel of people on each side of you. And they look at this page on your chest. And if if you need a shot from them, they just stick you. And you just keep walking with your, your arms, uh, with your sleeves rolled up and your arms out. And they just keep sticking you. In. And at the very end, they have you bend over a table and stick this giant needle full of penicillin right in your butt cheek. And they call it the peanut butter shot. It's a horrible day.
1: Why would you call something like that a peanut butter shot?
0: Dude, have you ever seen pure penicillin? It's so no. thick. Okay, so you get this shot on your butt cheek. And it literally makes a bulge on your butt cheek. You gotta rub it. They tell you to sit on it and everything, and your your leg gets numb. They even tell you like the next morning, don't get out of your rack too quickly. Like ease out of it because you can collapse. Oh, yeah. Like this stuff is thick, man. And there's a like a mound of penicillin underneath your butt cheek skin. When why, after they do though? it,
1: why why give you all the penicillin? Huh?
0: Dude, do you, man, let me tell you about all the people that got sick in boot camp. It's literally like all the illnesses from all over the country and a couple, you know, territories outside the United States all come into one building out of a hundred people that share this one room and people just get sick with everything.
1: Yeah. See, I I, would have been okay on the, I would have been okay with everything. I just would have had to like look up, like, yeah, I'm not going to look. Just stick me. I'll be all right
0: so the peanut butter shot they make you all bend over a table and it's like four of you and you all have to look in each other's eyes while somebody's while they uh while they while go they around in
1: your ass <laughs> that's exactly
0: what they do and if you flinch they 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 stop because you can't tense up while they're doing it i guess it just doesn't go in right or whatever i remember when i was doing it i tensed up when i when i felt him coming and i tensed, and he's like no man you gotta you gotta chill out <laughs> it's <laughs> like just taking, <laughs> just just take it, man. Oh, All right, man. <laughs> Number six, astrophobia, the fear of thunder and lightning. Dude, I yeah, love thunder. I mean, and lightning.
1: I've seen a, I've seen a lot in like cats and dogs and like really young children. Yeah, I can't
0: believe that's ahead of social phobias. I feel like I feel like that's wrong. I mean, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a writer for Psychology.com, but I don't know, man.
1: I don't know. You I mean you see the way a lot of people react to fireworks and stuff, so. I don't know. I mean, the first time my son heard uh heard thunder go off, like the very first time he experienced a summer storm, man, he took off like a bang shot and hid behind us on the couch.
0: So the next one is cynophobia, the fear of dogs.
1: Uh, I, I see a lot of people afraid of dogs. Me too. I'm not surprised that one's up there like that. I feel like it would be more justified to be more scared of cats. But yeah, I see a lot of people afraid of dogs. I mean, dogs dogs are kind of scary. I think because
0: we see the most common cat that everyone sees is the is the common house cat and I mean honestly yeah I I have a couple cats but if I was get threatened by my cat or my full-grown German Shepherd I would definitely be more afraid that my German Shepherd is going to tear me limb from limb than the few scratches I'm going to get from my cat you know what I
1: mean yeah when a cat goes all out and attacks you though it could be all over well not your cat your cat's the size of a house but (laughs) <laughs> a, a, a cat cat'll be all over you, all over the place, biting and scratching, running down in the center of your back and dogs at least. Dogs a bigger target. Like you're gonna get bit, but like maybe you could punch it in the face or something. Like they're really, really hard to, to fight a cat.
0: I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not surprised by this one. Personally. Alright. Number four. Agoraphobia or the fear of situations that are hard to escape, such as crowded areas.
1: Yeah, that, that one's, like, a really specific phobia, too, where it's it's not necessarily, like, outdoor spaces or something, like, you're afraid of. It's it's anything that you perceive that there's no escape from. Right, and, yeah. And uh, it's a really complicated phobia.
0: Like, I was reading in a little bit on this one, too. Uh, I guess uh, people who are put in jail or prison inmates actually find out that they have this phobia after they actually get locked up. As long as they're clinically diagnosed with agoraphobia, they have special places that they can put them because if they keep them in cells, it's actually a form of torture and they could be getting a lot of trouble for that.
1: Right, right.
0: So number three is acrophobia or the fear of heights.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm not a fan of the heights. Don't like them.
0: Yeah, I wonder if roller coasters fall into that one because I won't go near a fucking roller coaster.
1: Uh, When I was doing the research, it was uh, I I fell into the one category that like it's possible that I'm just I just have a fear, not necessarily a phobia, but uh, I don't like bridges. I don't like being on bridges. Not like little small things that go over a creek or something like that. Yeah, um, not a big deal. But if if we're going over a large bridge that spans over an entire river, uh, if I'm in a car, I can pretend I'm on the road still, like and I'm not 120 feet above the water. Yeah, but if I have to walk on a sidewalk, ooh, oh, oh man, I don't like so, it. So
0: on my way to work every day, going down to the base, I have to go under two tunnels in the water.
1: Yeah, see, I mean, see, under doesn't bother me so much.
0: Well, they start off they're they're really long bridges, and then halfway through them, you have to go under the water so that ships can go over it.
1: Yeah, see, under don't bother me. Oh man, I can swim. If the water comes in, I'm good. I already I know I can swim.
0: oh man i don't know i don't know these are long these are long they're not they're not like you know you're in there for at least two or three minutes before you pop back out the other side going at full speed
1: i mean that's that's fine i can hold my breath for two minutes (laughs) i'm good like you know it it sounds it sounds really weird it's really super irrational but i'm not afraid of dying if there's a situation where if it goes wrong death is guaranteed i'm okay I'm afraid of surviving because it's going to hurt really, really bad. Uh,
0: I wish I had that fear. I'm the opposite, man. I definitely fear dying. But uh, you know what? You know what I learned doing this th- this research is that the fear of dying isn't technically a phobia because phobias are irrational fears about harmless things or things that are, are less harmful. So like such as you know, flying in a plane, it's supposed to be harmless, right? And people will literally ruin their lives by not going on a plane. Let's say someone they've been accepted to Arizona State University and they live in New York. Right. And they literally will not take that flight out there to go to orientation or whatever. Uh, So they choose a community college closer to home. You know, something like that. But a fear of death. I mean, that's the ultimate punishment is death.
1: You know, I don't like I don't like calling it a punishment because A punishment is an option. Like, you can avoid a punishment by acting right. You can avoid a punishment. Death is coming for all of us. There is no getting around it. It's coming.
0: But, I don't know. It's like the... ah, Man, it's like the ultimate outcome. The worst possible outcome that can happen is that you die. I mean, we all know it's going to happen, but I guess dying sooner than you wanted to would be an ultimate punishment. I mean, not that anybody goes into their life and they're like all right i'm gonna die when i'm 98 years old and on your 98th birthday you're like all right that's it i'm done i mean i I guess that
1: log it out like um (laughs) yeah you know i mean it's just one of those things where like if it comes for me it comes for me like i accept the fact that one of these days death is going to come looking and it could be tomorrow it could be 50 years from now whatever i'm the complete opposite yeah it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't bother me the idea of dying because i'm just going to move on to the next step Right. So, you know, whatever that step is, whether it's nothing, whether it's something, we'll find out when we get there. You know, I don't I don't think I'm a shitty person, so I'm not really too worried about burning or whatever. But one of the one of these days, like it's going to happen and there's nothing I can do about that. The only thing I guess is a little bit scary is not knowing like what is what is going to happen. And that's kind of scary, you know, but there's no avoiding it. So you might as well accept it.
0: We have an afterlife episode that we're going to eventually do. It's on the list. So I'm going to save my opinions for that. Cause I definitely have my opinion but...
1: about that. I can go on about that for hours.
0: Yeah. I think that's going to end up being a two parter for sure. That might be something where we revisit every once in a while, but this next one is me. Ophidophia, the fear of snakes. You don't like them? No, I guess th- this would be my one true phobia because when I see a snake, Especially when it surprises me, my I feel like my heart stops. I get panicky. I'll tell you a story. Well, a couple. you, shiver I, you
1: sweat. Uh,
0: yeah, I shiver. I sweat. So you ever you ever seen something really bad happen? Like for example, when I was younger, uh, at my first job, I was walking home from work, and unfortunately, I saw a woman get hit by a car. And the whole time seemed to slow down while the whole thing happened. That's happened a couple more times to me in life when I've seen something really bad.
1: You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I uh, I saw somebody get kicked in the face by a horse. Ooh, they lived really, but I won't go within ten foot of a horse. I love horses. The horses are cool. I like to look at them, but I'm not. I'm not okay with getting in about about 15, 20 foot is where I like to be. Anyways, so oh
0: damn, just picturing that. I I was mowing the lawn not a couple months ago, and. As I was mowing the lawn, I saw something right out of the corner of my eye, about a foot away from my lawnmower, just slither underneath the fence. And I let go of the lawnmower and walked away. My wife was out front doing something with the kids. And she looked at me and I just like, I just stared at her. She goes, you just saw a snake, didn't you? And that's what I did. I really did. And she just starts laughing. She thinks it's fucking hilarious. She's an evil woman.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love snakes. I love them. I, I would have gone tearing after it. Like, where'd you see it? Get my
0: hook. It's like one of those things where it doesn't ruin, like if I go to a pet store or anything, because I expect to see it, but it can ruin going for a walk in the woods or going camping or something like, you know, I try not to think about it and because I don't want that to limit my experiences in life. But if I go out into the woods and I see a snake, that whole day is done. I'm done. Ready to go home.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's rough, man. Not,
0: not for me. Not for me not a fan anyways on a number one you're right number one fear in the world according to psychology.com is arachnophobia the fear of spiders
1: i actually recently got over that That was really? a lifelong phobia for me yeah i used to love spiders when i was a kid when it was about eight years old i got chased by a wolf spider because it had babies on it and i was like oh look at that and found out that uh spiders can act very defensively and when provoked They don't give up easily and (laughs) nobody helped me. My dad rolled around on the ground, laughed at me, and I uh, was just running, running. And And when it got tired, it didn't stop. It just walked.
0: My wife is afraid of spiders. My buddy, Mike, is also afraid of spiders. I've seen a lot of people afraid of spiders. And I have done a lot of reading into arachnophobia. And this is going to be something that we probably have to cover later on, too. Because there's just so much information about it. I mean, just like, I don't know, the the tidbits, the, the juice, the meat of what's going on with arachnophobia is that there's this big debate going on right now in the world where people believe that people who say that they are, quote unquote, arachnophobic is that they do it because it's a popular phobia. And a lot of it is attention driven. I've seen a grown man cry because he lifted his recliner like off the ground. Like we were moving it and he saw a banana spider or one of those yellow garden spiders. I think they're called banana spiders crawl out in his living room. He dropped his side of the the recliner and literally turned around, walked away. And then I was like, bro, what's going on? And I heard him fucking crying and I walked up to him and he was like tears coming out of his eyes. He's like, dude, I can't do spiders. Like, this dude was clearly scared to death of this spider. So I took care of it. You know, I went and I uh, I actually got the d- the dustpan and swept it into a dustpan and just threw it in his backyard. And he, and he was so mad at me for throwing it in his backyard. He's like, why would you do that? I can't go back there now. And I was like, dude. <laughs> I, I was like, w-. so I actually went back there and tried to look for it. I, I didn't find it. That would uh, I was just told getting- him
1: I killed it. <laughs> like I got it, bro. Don't worry; it's it's gone now.
0: We had the same exact spider that hung outside of our uh, our dining room window just a little while ago. We named it Frank, but you know I didn't know that the the females were the, actually the big ones. But we named him Frank the Tank, and sooner sooner or later, Frank the Tank had three gigantic sacks of eggs, and I was like, I think Frank is a uh, is like a Francine. <laughs> I don't think that's a Frank, but the uh, the neighbor ended up spraying them. And uh, the kids were actually really upset about that. Dude, they were they were looking outside every day to see what Frank was doing.
1: You know, uh, getting getting over arachnophobia was it was recent for me. Uh, we'll get we'll get into how we do that in a little bit. But I have a I have a pretty good arachnophobia story that happened to me. So in a place we used to live at and you remember Ninja. Um, yeah. So we've lived together for a long time. And I went in the bathroom, this place we were living at and I'm sitting I'm sitting down doing my business. And <laughs> this spider comes down off the ceiling and dangles in front of my face on its little string. It, it, oh. wasn't, a big, it wasn't big, but it was red, right? Yeah. It, I think it was maybe the size of a dime. You know, like total, like even like the, eh, maybe it was a quarter with the legs. Maybe a nickel. Hmm. I don't know. It, it wasn't that big. But it like waved its little legs at me and I screamed, flew off the <laughs> toilet. Pants, pants are gone. Pants are not, and I'm on the sink, and I pooped in the sink. (laughs) And I'm screaming, right? And I literally I crap I crapped on myself in the sink. It was so bad. And Ninja is laughing on the other side of the door. And he goes, I see you met Gandalf. And I was like, why? Why did you name it? You knew it was in here. Why did you not kill it? He's like, because you shall not pass. And I'm screaming on the back of this toilet. Literally, this grown man had to come in that bathroom. I'm on the toilet wearing no pants. He had to get rid of that spider. <laughs> I wasn't coming out. Nope.
0: Uh not gonna lie. I <laughs> that's funny. I, had I to clean feel the sink though. I am sure you did. <laughs> I feel I feel like quite the man when my wife sees a spider and she's like, kill it! And I'm like, ah, oh, I got you, babe. I come in with my trusty flip-flop and I do the D. E. <laughs>
1: And you I, get stand <laughs> and
0: I stand up with my hands on my hips. and I'm like, don't worry, babe, I'll save you. Oh, I thought this. <laughs> unless I'm, unless I'm sleeping, which is a couple times it's happened where I'm like laying in bed and either like one of my daughters or my wife will be like, Jerry, come get this fire. And I'm like, damn it. It's either just knocked out or it's the first thing in the morning. Cause that's happened a couple times. times. Mm. Uh, anyways, moving on. I found some, uh, interesting stuff about phobias just some little bit of tidbits about ancient and modern phobias are you familiar with these at all
1: um to to a point i i was more interested in the science behind what causes a phobia yeah and why we're afraid of certain things even if we've never seen them before right
0: i and i definitely have some good stuff when we when we get down to cooler uh call phobia but real quick i found many different ways that phobias are categorized My personal favorite is the one that separates phobias into two separate categories, ancient and modern. An ancient phobia is one that includes a phobia that would have been present even if there was no influence by modern society. Examples Mm -hmm. of ancient phobias are ones such as those that fear heights, small spaces, snakes, spiders, blood, and the dark. A modern phobia is one that exists due to society and the advancements of mankind. Examples of modern phobias are those that fear airplanes, bridges, needles, and clowns. Right. Right.
1: Because the concept of the clown really isn't that old, given how long man has existed. The reason why I want to point this out is I find it very interesting
0: that there are phobias that were created because of the advancement of, of mankind. If there was no airplanes, then a lot of people probably wouldn't even know that they're either afraid of heights or that they're afraid of afraid of flying, or that they're afraid of airplanes, it would just simply not exist, and people would move go forward without ever knowing that they have mm-hmm. this extreme phobia.
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of people actually have phobias that they don't know they have because they haven't been exposed to them. True, that's very true. Yeah, because yeah, because of, of the way phobias work, there and there are people with certain genetics that predispose them to phobias. I think that one of the best examples that I saw was the parent that has twins and one twin falls off the couch because they were jumping and they get hurt. Now they won't climb the furniture, but the other one just jumps like crazy and not twins, uh, just siblings. And the other one's just jumping like crazy. And regardless of how many times this one falls off, it just gets back up. and keeps doing it. It's the, the ones carrying the gene like a recessive gene or or whatever it is carrying the gene that predisposes them to phobia. And uh, the other one doesn't care because they don't have it hmm that's interesting, it interesting i mean it, it's that's not a really great example it's just the one that i liked because you think about it because it's like i mean coming from the same parents they should have the same genetics like whatever but yeah like uh, you, you have these these genes that all, uh, activate within you and predispose you to certain types of phobias and like we were saying with like ancient phobias um those phobias are oftentimes passed in our genetics specifically like your fear of snakes that back uh, back in the day I mean, in the day we're talking, uh, living in caves, nomadic lifestyle back in the day, snakes, um, and spiders would have been seen as a threat And the fact that most snakes. So there's no such thing as an aggressive snake, right? There's defensive snakes and then there's feeding responses. And when you, when you encounter something like a human being, you're not going to really experience a feeding response most of the time. So these are defensive responses where they puff up and they hiss and they get big and They rattle their tails or, you know, all these different defense mechanisms that they have. Snakes are evolutionary designed to be frightening. That's how they survive. They scare things away from them. Um, And these things would have been seen as a threat. And those uh, fears will be passed from generation to generation to generation because evolutionarily uh, speaking, um, the people that avoided those creatures died less often. So that fear would just be passed and then it would take precedence because people survived because they avoided those animals. Mm. It was It's a really interesting concept. And then there was also a study that suggested that you're more likely to be afraid of the things your mother is afraid of than your father. Really? Yeah. It's not saying that you can't inherit a fear from your father or a phobia yeah. from your father. It's just more likely that your mother will pass it to you. So uh, it made sense that, because my mother is a horrible arachnophobe. She will scream in the most dramatic of fashions. So it made sense that I would have been easily turned from liking spiders to being afraid of them. Because that would have been riding in my genetics. Yeah, it, it's like this really interesting and, and just complicated study. Because you have simple phobias and then you have complicated phobias. And um, they, they fall into classes. Just like uh, your ancient and modern phobias. So like if you have something like the fear of flying, I mean, that sort of makes sense. Like we evolved and we created these airplanes and now we're up there and people are afraid of that where an ancient phobia like the fear of heights, we would have developed the fear of heights because we would fear the consequences of, say, falling off a cliff and people who avoided cliff edges had a much higher survival rate than people who were just jumping off of them willy nilly, (laughs) right?
0: Yeah, like that one sibling who just kept jumping off cliffs and never
1: learned. Right, right. Never <laughs> learned. They just they just fall down, hit the rocks, and one day they just don't make it. And then they yeah. then they fail to breed because they didn't make it. True, very true. So you have something like the fear of heights, which would easily evolve to be the fear of planes because you're way high up in the air, you know. Hmm. And though fall, surviving a thirty thousand foot fall happens, it's not likely you're going to live through that. <laughs> So I don't know
0: if my mom is afraid of things. I don't think so. But my dad is. I think my dad is very similar to me. And I might have gotten it from my dad because I remember one time we were moving a playground that he had built for us, a little like swing set or whatever that he yeah. had built for us out in the, the yard. we were moving it from one side to the other. And he was pulling it and he had lifted it up and was dragging it and a snake came out and he just he dropped it and he's like, "Yep. Not doing that today." <laughs> and uh and uh, I remember he put like a rock or a brick underneath it to kind of tilt it to one side to let the snake go out and like he waited 3 or 4 days uh to even go out there and attempt it again.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking about tens of thousands of years if you trans- if you trace your ancestry back far enough. The fear of snakes makes sense in an ev- in an evolutionary sense. It makes sense. It's kind of weird that there are those of us like me who love them. Like, if you see a snake, I will chase it. Uh, no way. Nope. I mean, if I identify it as a venomous snake, which I'm pretty good at, I'll I'll get close and take pictures. I won't I won't mess with it because I understand the behavior of snakes and reptiles. But um, if it's like something harmless, like I'm not afraid to get bit by a garter snake, and they will bite you. They have bad attitudes. I'll grab that thing right up off the ground. Like, come here. Get over here. Like. You know, it doesn't bother me, nope. and that's an oddity, actually. Like uh, when it comes when it comes to human beings, it, it's strange to not be afraid of snakes. Yeah, no, or at least made uncomfortable by them.
0: Extremely. You ever seen that uh, the the movie Jackass where Bam Margera was thrown into the the thing with a bunch of snakes, and he just <laughs> yeah, he cried. Yeah, that'd be me, bro. I mean, yeah, I, I'd be like, all right, take me, take me away. I'm done. Just just use that bullet right there and just end it i'm done i'm surprised he didn't have like a heart attack or something like i i would rather take one than than have that experience dude like when i saw that when i saw that scene i felt that in my soul like i felt for bam Margera, man like i i wanted to be like i wanted to go help him but at the same time if i ever had the chance to help him i i wouldn't i'd be like all right yeah uh bam you're ah man you're you're screwed bro (laughs)
1: Right? (laughs) I'm going to live because I'm faster.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Ah, man. That'd be my worst nightmare. Absolutely. Oh, no, I completely understand. (sighs) But I actually found a possible explanation that might be kind of more down your path. Okay. I'm not familiar with metaphysics at all or any of the theories or anything, but I did find an article that was very interesting. So I did a lot of research into the fear of snakes because I am afraid of snakes. And I came across this article that said the title of it was, I'm afraid of snakes. And I used to be a cat. And I was like, Hmm, that's strange. So I clicked on it and and they were talking about how, uh, phobias could potentially be linked to a past life or a past life experience. Like uh, this person is like, I love cats. I am extremely affectionate towards cats. I have three of them at home. They are my children. I also have children and I love them just as much as my children. And I would do anything for them just as they were my, my children. So I believe that in a past life, I might have been a cat. And I believe I was a cat that died by a snake because I am terrified of snakes. And I was like, hmm, imagine if, you know, like we just talked about in a couple episodes ago, the soul or the consciousness. Like if, if the consciousness was in a, the body of a cat, right. A feral cat. And that feral cat was eaten by a snake. And that's just so embedded into the consciousness that when it's reborn again, it has those fears built into it. I mean, I I don't know anything about this. It's not something that i necessarily believe. I just thought it was very interesting. So I thought I'd bring it up.
1: I mean, in a way it makes sense In in a, a passive, latent memory i'm not necessarily certain if if we take part in in being something like a cat i mean i, I guess i mean who knows but to, to say something directly like oh i'm afraid of snakes because i was a cat and i was killed by a snake maybe i mean why do you think that though would be like the question that i would ask like like what what led you to believe that i mean i understand you love cats mm. and that makes you think that you were a cat which (laughs) loosely makes sense but you know why why what experience have you have have you had like dreams um have you experienced something visions anything uh that would lead you to believe that uh do you meditate like anything Uh, there would be questions yeah but i mean i'm not i don't want to i don't want to say that she's wrong because for all i know she's right but It it, it seems like a strange thing to me.
0: It did to me, too. I just thought it would be interesting to bring up that point of view in this episode.
1: Yeah, in a way, like following what I believe in, in in a metaphysical sense, it it does make sense. Uh, I mean, it's right in line um, with if that's how it was going to be. I mean, that is how maybe it would work. But uh, I would just be curious as to what what led her to believe other than I like cats and I'm afraid of snakes. This is the conclusion I came to. There's, 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 I, w- I would expect something more than just well you know that you know what i mean
0: yeah i'm not gonna lie i had a, a lot of other stuff that was more interested in reading i just kind of read the synopsis on that so i didn't <laughs> didn't really dive deep into it but i was like cool noted i guess i'll uh i'll put that out there for cj to dissect a little bit but anyways let's uh you ready to move on to our phobia of the day
1: no Ooh. um i want to talk about uh, real quick uh treatments for phobias and and how people get get over them
0: oh absolutely let's do it man hey everybody bear with us while we take this quick break
1: the one of them that uh I came across was really simple people were like yeah if you have a phobia or something you simply avoid the thing well, yeah. uh, I think they call it avoidance <laughs> therapy and that just makes sense it doesn't sound like therapy because therapy would help you. The idea behind the therapy is to overcome the phobia and remove that cure the anxiety disorder, or at least dull it to a point you don't notice it anymore. So that doesn't really feel like a therapy to me. Uh, the one the one that I did um, a little more studying on and one that actually worked for me specifically um, has two names. They either call it immersion therapy or exposure therapy. I don't like calling it emer- emer- immersion therapy just because of my own personal preference because it's it's the exposure of, of, of being exposed to what you're afraid of. But immersion therapy is also a therapy where they place you in water and it's for a completely different thing. It doesn't have anything to do with fear. So I kind of like calling it exposure therapy. And that's where you form this situation that would make you as comfortable as possible. And then you are exposed to the thing that frightens you the most. And, Having a positive interaction with the thing uh, or the situation um, uh, helps you overcome the anxiety behind it. And I I personally did this with with spiders. I I wouldn't say I'm completely past being afraid of spiders. Um, They still make me uncomfortable, but I can be around them. I can look at pictures of them now. Like if we went to the zoo, I'd be okay with seeing them in cages where I wouldn't have gone into the room before. I would have literally been like, "You guys enjoy. I'll be on the other side with a dip and dots when you get out." (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, it really, it really, it does work uh, having positive interactions. I will not hold a spider. I won't do that. We're not cool. That we're we're not okay. Like on that (laughs) level. But yeah, like my exposure therapy is I decided I'm a six foot two, 300 pound man. It's ridiculous. I'm afraid of spiders. And I got a pet one. Really? Yeah. It took a long time to work up the cojones for that. Originally, I was going to get a tarantula. I was just going to go all out and get a tarantula. And then the person I was talking to about it and like learning about their care. Because I don't just get animals willy nilly. Like I make sure I know what I'm doing with them because it's still a life. Yeah. Um, Even though it's in, uh, you know, an arthropod, like it's still a life. So and then she was like talking to me, and I'm like, okay, because this uh, lady Christina, she breeds them, and she's like, okay. And then just so you know, when it escapes, it's not going to go more than about three or four feet from where it gets out of. So just check like that. I'm like, I'm sorry, hold on. What do you mean when it escapes? I got good. Ca- she's like, oh no, it will escape at some point. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't need a tarantula anymore. I'm not going to be able to handle that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not going to be able to be okay with that. It's like a little jumping spider, which was still scary when I got it. it was the size of like a pea and now it's like the size of my thumbnail but uh, I made sure I got one that was like had like the bright and frightening colors and just as scary as I could possibly get it and eventually I was able to feed it myself and give it water and if it when it does escape I'm able to chase it back into its enclosure and it did hop onto my hand once and I froze like an ice cube but yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not a completely over my arachnophobia, but I am removed enough from it now that I can be near a spider and uh, be okay. My wife
0: has asked me on multiple occasions if we can get a snake. I will admit there is a there was. Let me be clear, there was a sliver of thought about getting a snake. I can't do it, man. I can't. Like I've I've gone to the pet store. My, my wife works as as a uh, receptionist at a, a vet office and they're inside of a pet store you know i've I've looked at the snakes which I can do I don't like to like just go up to them you know I like to look at them from a distance and then be like okay there it is right <laughs> is, there any, is there any other snakes around it because I, I want to be able to tell like where they are and stuff I don't I don't like going up to a cage and not seeing a snake and being like okay there's supposed to be a snake in here. Where is it? I need to know where this thing is. Then I'll just get away from that whole area. That's not. That's not for me. Yeah, I can't. You've got some balls, man. I can't do that.
1: I mean, it took a lot, dude. Like it. it really. It took probably a year and a half before I was finally. Like I made the decision that I was going to do it, and I know my story. Like I. I shortened it up, but it really was. It was about a year and a half, of watching like i what i did was i started by seeing pictures of my friend's pets i have a friend named zane he's got a tarantula and i would look at his pictures of his tarantula and when i stopped sweating while doing that then i started looking at like youtube videos and started watching a channel called like the dark den um an exotics layer and stuff um and then when i was finally comfortable with that then i kind of like would check them out at the pet store a little bit i never kind of got comfortable with that but took about a year and a half before finally doing it and it was just having baby steps and like all right this was a positive experience nothing hurt me and i'm okay with that now and now i know my subconscious knows that i'm not going to get hurt yeah and just moving forward slowly so like when it comes to snakes with you like the thing is is you would have to make those baby steps reptiles know they know like they're like dogs they know you're afraid You'll, you'll secrete pheromones, which they're susceptible to. They can detect the moisture on your skin. They know you're shivering. Like, they understand that you're afraid. And they also understand that if they're in the hands of something that they're that's afraid of them, there's a really good chance that it's going to hurt them, which will make them act defensively. And you're more likely to get bitten in a state of fear than you are just handling them in general. So you would really have to work on... Being able to get close to them, maybe, maybe just being in their presence, um, and then maybe at some point reaching out and touching them for a couple seconds, but not actually holding them, like it, it would be a process to get through, and, it, and it's a lot, and it's going to stress you out. Mm, nah. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting at some point a Western hognose Snake, and I think, I think they're the most one, they, they have the most, the most adorable face I've ever seen on a snake. Uh, they don't really bite. It, it, it's a really rare situation for them to bite you. When they, they act, they'll tell you about how they're going to bite you. They'll huff, they'll puff, they'll hiss. They'll, they'll do what's called a dry strike. Uh, not a dry strike, that's um, an actual bite. But they'll do a, a false um, tag where they'll just headbutt you and make you think they're biting you. But they like, and then, and then when that doesn't work, they play dead. They have like these little tantrums and it's, it's hilarious. Like they just have the most dramatic thing in the whole world. But they are rear fang venomous. And a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, my God, it's venomous. But like it can't like you at worst, you might get like a like a swelling. They say if you're allergic to bees to not risk it, because if you have a a bee venom allergy, there's a chance you might have like an anaphylactic reaction. Mm -hmm. But there's like been nobody ever in the history of ever killed by a hog nose. But they 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 will act they'll hood up. They hood like cobras a little bit and they'll hiss. And like it's it's funny when they have one with a bad attitude problem. But that, that's not something like like in your case, like if you were going to touch a snake for the first time, it's like a ball python because they don't bite anyone. They're really cool. They're super calm and they can hold on. So like if you like freak out, you know, if you do, if you do get the balls to hold one of them and you freak out then you're not going to fling it across the room and hurt it. It's going to latch on. It's going to hold on because it's like, oh shit, I'm all over the place. Oh man, if that ever happened to me, I'd lose it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, they're not going to, That's not, I've I've been, I've had a ball python strike me before, but I've also been around probably a couple hundred of them, you know, and I've had one that was an asshole. And that's just because it came from a really bad home where it was abused. So. Who would abuse a snake? You know, Uh. it. we've rescued like we had a six foot iguana for a while that my old roommate drove six and a half hours to Ohio, picked it up and drove six and a half hours home. Uh, it was originally this lady's uh, daughter's iguana, and when she went off to college, the lady was left to it, and the lady was terrified of it. So when she had to feed it, she would go in and, like, smack it with a broom and stuff to get it out of the way. So this uh-huh. iguana learned – and iguanas have horrible, horrible – they're terrible pets. Don't ever get an iguana. They're terrible. I mean, wow. there are the cases out there where my iguana is like a puppy. Great. Awesome for you. I, it, that's, that's a rarity. Iguanas typically suck. And then this one was abused on top of it. So this thing triple sucked. And, yeah, we had this thing in the house. But, yeah, they end up in these situations and in the hands of people that shouldn't have them. And these people abuse them. Hmm. They, yeah. they learn to that humans are something to be feared. And reptiles – I mean there are aggressive reptiles. But when it comes to things like snakes, there's no aggressive snake. There is not a snake in this planet that is going to chase you. I mean maybe an anaconda, but like you are not – But that's a feeding response. That's not a, I want to hurt you for the sake of hurting you. You have defensive and then you have feeding. So if it wants to eat you, if it's big enough to eat you, it might try. But anything else, it's all defensive. So if you don't give it a reason to be afraid, it probably won't be, especially if it's been socialized ahead of time. Uh,
0: I don't know, man. I don't think that would be my therapy choice.
1: It's the only way that I've really gotten over it, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah. You know, it's not like to the point where I want to get better from being afraid of snakes. And, you know, it's after doing a lot of research into a lot of these phobias, I don't even know if it's a phobia that I have. I, it might be just like one of those situations where I'm just uncomfortable with snakes because yes, I do. You know, I start to sweat. I have increased heartbeat. I lose my breath, you know, and that, that kind of stuff, but like I can look at pictures of snakes. I can look at snakes in the tank. I can see a snake on TV. It doesn't, that doesn't bother me. You know, it's when it's when it sneaks up on me and I don't notice it is the, one of the most terrifying things in the world.
1: That doesn't sound like a phobia. That sounds like an instinct. That sounds literally like what we were talking about before. Like yeah, this, this natural instinct to avoid something because it would have been perceived as deadly uh, to all of your ancestors previously.
0: There was one time I was hanging out with my wife at a pool and she had her cousin over. Uh, It was an apartment complex and we were at the pool and I was laying on the fold out chair. And there's a snake that came up right next to me. And like I lost my shit, jumped in the pool, swam to the other side, sat on the, the outside of the pool watching the snake. And I wanted to cry. I definitely scared the crap out of me. Yeah,
1: that uh, was a mistake, by the way. Snakes are faster in water than they are on land.
0: Yeah, you know, man, I, I, I don't know anything really about snakes. Or, <laughs> I, I, I don't care. Snakes, snakes uh, are quick in the water. They it, are fast. Yeah, that's probably a bad idea. Anyways, long story short, I don't want to mess with snakes. And if they don't want to mess with me, that's
1: good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, they 100% don't. Like good. if you If you leave them alone, they are more than happy to ignore the fact that you exist.
0: That is good news for me. I can go back hiking.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, like if you see one just chilling on a rock and you walk past it, chances are it's not even going to move. Good.
0: (laughs) If I see one chilling on a rock, I will go a football field away from it and walk around it.
1: Yeah, yeah. The snake is (laughs) definitely down for that deal. (laughs) All right. Are you ready to talk about our phobia of the day? Yes.
0: As we said before, our phobia of the day is going to be coulrophobia, the fear of clowns.
1: I picked that one on purpose.
0: (laughs) Coulrophobia. Although some people may feel uncomfortable around clowns, having coulrophobia is rare. People suffering from this phobia may experience symptoms such as nausea, panic, shaking, increased heartbeat, sweating, and trouble breathing when they see a clown and may go to extreme lengths to avoid being anywhere near them. Having an actual phobia to clowns is best treated or discussed by a mental health professional.
1: Yeah, it's only like 7.8% of Americans experience the fear.
0: Yeah, so this is another one of those that, you know, like I was talking about with arachnophobia, where the article I was reading is that it it seems to be another fad phobia. Yes, there are people that are legitimately afraid of, of clowns and spiders. That is definitely true, and I'm not claiming that there isn't, but... The numbers may be inflated due to people claiming to be afraid or phobic against something.
1: Attention seeking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Against clowns or spiders. And so the, the numbers aren't really true. I I do know a couple people that are afraid of clowns. My mother is one of them. But I think her initial fear from clowns came from the movie It.
1: Apparently, that's a lot of people's uh, yep. reason for being afraid of them.
0: Yeah, we're going to get into that in a little bit. I've got a little bit of information on that, too. i got a
1: pop vinyl of Pennywise sitting right next to me.
0: Ooh, my brother is a big fan of uh, Pennywise. I think he's got a pop vinyl, too. I've got a ton of... Oh, hey, Dash is here. What's up, man? The podcast cat is dropping by to say hi to everybody, by the way. Cats kill snakes. They... You just became cooler, dude. Let's talk about it. Why are people afraid of clowns? The Geisinger Medical Center's website, geisinger.org, lists three possibilities as to why people may fear clowns. The first being the uncanny effect. Are you familiar with this at all, CJ?
1: Um, I know that the term uncanny was coined by Sigmund Freud. Yeah. Uh, to, to explain something that doesn't make sense. So like like you're experiencing a phenomena or, or an action or something, and it doesn't make sense that it's happening, but it is.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm going to get to. So this effect is described as being something both familiar and unfamiliar at the same time. So this explains why some people are also creeped out by dolls, robots and zombies, just to name a few other examples that go along with clowns. The uncanniness of seeing a human figure with human details, but also seeing clear differences is one of the reasons why some people become extremely uncomfortable around such things such as clowns. In the case of clowns, seeing a distorted face that has been painted on, exaggerated clothing, attitudes, and demeanors create a very uncanny experience, which may lead many people to literally having a panic attack.
1: Yeah, they say most people at bare minimum are uncomfortable around clowns. It's actually pretty rare for people to love them. Most people are uncomfortable, and then 7.8 to 10% of people actually legitimately have the phobia.
0: Clowns don't bother me at all, man. Not at all. I don't they, care. They
1: don't, they don't particularly bother me either. I'm, I won't go out of it. Like, if someone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go here and see a clown. I'll be like, why? Like, okay. <laughs> is it going to do magic or something? Like, why are we doing this? But the reason, the reason I wanted to talk about clowns really is the science behind, you know, like some of the stuff we're talking about here, the, behind why people are afraid because it's fascinating. And oh, yeah. with the science behind it, it's amazing that more people are not terrified by them. I agree, because they they say like they with with the makeup and stuff, like you said, they they have these human features, but it's not quite human. Yeah. And the big thing about that is our brains and like our vision and like the way things are, we perceive things, we're, we are programmed to recognize other humans' emotions. So when yes. you see a smile, you know it's happy. You see a frown, you know it's sad. But then you experience a clown, um, and they have this this makeup smile. The other thing that yeah. we're programmed to recognize is. False emotion. So when somebody's faking it, we know. Right. And when you see this fake smile, it creates a, a sense of distrust in you, and that's why most people are uncomfortable by them because instinctually you can't trust this. This this is a thing. It is lying to you. It is lying to you from the moment you saw it,
0: which it literally um, makes sense why we're uncomfortable around clowns. That's the biggest uh, the biggest thing when I was reading through this too, because that's the second possibility uh, listed by this website. By the way. Um, and I'll dive a little bit more into it after a second, but
1: it was the distrust. OK,
0: yeah, it's it's uh, here, I'll just read it real quick. The second possibility stems from how humans are raised to read signals from each other to understand another's mood or actions. When looking at a clown with a smile painted on their face, it is hard to determine their true feelings about a situation. Same goes for one who has a frown or a frightened look to their makeup. Our brains get a mixed signal from seeing a smile painted on a face, but seeing someone act unfriendly. An experience like this can really cause some damage to the image of a clown for the entire person's life if seen from a young enough age. Many experts believe that the plethora of people who are currently uncomfortable with the idea of clowns stems from an accidental viewing of pop culture examples such as the movie It, which leads into the last possibility, which we'll talk about here in a second.
1: It makes sense. makes a lot of sense.
0: It does. I mean, imagine a kid, you know, I've, I've got three kids of my, my own. Like, I'm just thinking about my four-year-old. She Her brain is still being developed. Her mind is still being developed. And what if she accidentally saw Pennywise, especially in the, the new movie?
1: Oh, I refused to watch the new movie. Oh, why? It was good. I, my, my media uh, intake was extremely regulated when I was a kid. Music, my parents had, if I got a CD, it got taken away from me until my parents listened to it. Really? I wasn't permitted to watch horror films until I was 13, and it was the very first horror film that I ever saw. Nice. I'm not afraid of clowns, but that movie scared the the hell out of me, and I I have no ambition to actually watch the new movie because of Ah, it.
0: It is so good. I like the first part better than the second part, for sure. Okay,
1: I'm okay. I don't need to see it.
0: If you ever do, I don't think that you're gonna be upset about it.
1: I don't I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Because it's gonna bring up that past trauma for that Stephen King's it is horrifying. That movie is scary as shit.
0: You're right. You're right. It is definitely scary. It is. And I couldn't imagine my four year old seeing that. Anyways, let's get let's get this last possibility out of the way and we'll we'll talk a little bit more. The last possibility listed listed by gessinger.org is pop culture. Many current events and topics in pop culture may contribute to a person's fear of clowns. A few examples of clowns in pop culture are, of course, Pennywise from Stephen King's It, Twisty from American Horror Story Freak Show, Sweet Tooth from the video game Twisted Metal, my personal favorite, The Joker from Batman, Violent Jay and Shaggy Two Dope from the rap group Insane Clown Posse, <laughs> and Captain Spaulding from the movies House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects. Any one of these... Potentially being the introduction of clowns to many young minds leading to a lifetime of cholerophobia. When children witness something as being harmful, they can be persuaded throughout life that these things may be bad by their childhood minds. Even though the child has never experienced a clown in person, they may have seen something or have been told something at a young age that set their beliefs for a lifetime. Along with many different clowns speckled throughout all of pop culture, There are real-life clowns that haunt our news, such as the clowns that showed up in 2016 in the deep woods, backyards, and along the roads of many towns and cities across the United States. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget the most horrifying real-life clown of them all, John Wayne Gacy, also known as Pogo the Clown.
1: Mm, He had a body count.
0: Did he ever? 33.
1: 33 confirmed.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. There was like seven or eight that they think that he was also associated with. He also claims like a whole bunch, too. So I just want to put this out there real quick. Am I interested in serial killers? Yes, but in the same way that I'm interested in a lot of other things that aren't Bigfoot related. Like I'm interested in learning about everything. But this documentary that's coming out on Peacock TV about John Wayne Gacy. This looks like something I have to I have to see it
1: the psychology behind how their brains work is what fascinates me about serial killers oh uh, man i i just like, what what's going on in your head like what short circuit happened in there that made hmm. you want to do this like especially when it comes to john wayne Gacy, because um even even like with most serial killers it's not super common for them to go after children
0: this whole thing, and maybe one day we do a deep dive into John Wayne Gacy. I've got a little bit of, like, the meat of what happened, but for the most part, maybe we'll do a deeper dive later on. Ugh, dude, it's just so creepy. Like, it gives me shivers thinking about what he did and, and, like, how could you do this?
1: There's a reason children are cute, right? Children yeah. are cute because it inspires us to protect them and take care of them. That's, a, that's an evolutionary feature in, in babies and children across the animal kingdom in general. Um, I mean, obviously there's the exceptions to the rules, but when you, when you look at a child, your natural instinct is not to do them harm. And then you have this, this guy who put it, made himself a clown so that he could be put into a position to be exposed to children so that he could do them harm. Oh, it's gross. the complete opposite of a human being. Like, like I can't even watch law and order SVU. Like since becoming, I used to be able to watch it and I'd be like, Oh man, that's messed up since becoming a father. If I put like almost every episode on SVU is like someone's like, Oh, this person did this to this kid and it'll make me sick. I'm like, I, my stomach's messed up. I don't even want to watch this. I can't watch a show anymore. And I feel like maybe that's a bit of an exaggerated response, but I feel like it's normal as compared to you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna slit his throat and stick with in my basement. Boy, you know what time it is. It's it's horrifying.
0: Let me get let me get this out of the way and we'll we'll discuss John Wayne Gacy a little bit. No, sorry, I get excited. Ah, man, it's cool. It's cool. So, John Lane Gacy was not only one of the most horrific serial killers in the history of the United States, but a man who committed his brutal acts dressed as a clown. Gacy was a serial killer and sex offender who used his persona as a clown named Pogo the Clown to assault and murder 33 young men. Gacy... Mm -hmm would perform regularly at children's hospitals and charitable events only to lure his victims to his house in Norwich, Illinois, where he would convince the victim to attach handcuffs to themselves in an attempt to, quote-unquote, show them a magic trick. His first murder was performed in 1972, 14 years before the release of Stephen King's book, It, hit the shelves. By the time he was finished, John Wayne Gacy was convicted of 33 murders, a record for the most by any one individual in US history at the time. The newspapers and news outlets publicized the stories everywhere and were readily available to wandering eyes. John Wayne Gacy is thought to possibly be the origin of the first boom of cases of coloprobia here in America.
1: Dude, that's deep. Like, that cuts you deep knowing like, what he did, especially if you're like a parent. You're just sitting there, you're like, oh my God.
0: Talk about a real phobia. Like I brought up before, phobias are technically things, unreal fears about harmless situations. But this is, like, the thing as a parent, right? You hear shit like this, and you're just like, no, I'm never letting my children outside again. They will never see a clown. Fuck McDonald's. Nope, not
1: never. Given, Given that phobias are typically, like, an irrational fear... And you can't explain why people are afraid of it. The concept of cold is super interesting to me on a psychological level because it makes sense to be afraid of them or at least to just, dis- or at least to be uncomfortable and distrust them. They yeah. say like you're, you're designed to detect these emotional responses in other humans and they're giving you fake responses and your brain knows it's fake. So it, it doesn't make sense to me that cold itself would fall so low on the phobia scale. It's, it's strange. I'm trying to think about it, like like why, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. The reason why I think it, it does fall so low on the, the phobia scale is because, well, in, in most cases it helps to have an influence at a young age. So as long as, you know, people are staying away from uh, a movie such as it as a young age or something along those lines, you, you're not so prone to grow the phobia of clowns you know what i'm saying i I think it's highly influenced by your childhood
1: ronald mcdonald's out here putting in work
0: well but the thing is is that you know as a kid that's a uh that's a positive thing kids look forward to going to mcdonald's i know when i was a kid i used to i used to look forward to my four-piece chicken nugget and and a little uh hamburger toy Mm -hmm. you know
1: Mm -hmm. well that's what i mean by him putting in work he's out here providing the positive experiences in favor of clowns What do you know about these clowns in 2016? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, We actually had one come down our street during trick-or-treat night, and it was pretty – that whole thing in in 2016 was a little devastating for us. It was the first year we decided that we were going to really be giving kids candy, and, like, we went all out, dude. I spent – I think I spent, like, $1,300 on Halloween decorations and costumes, and – we decided like it was me and Alan and Carrie and like a couple of our like our roommates and stuff. And we're like, what are we going to do? We're going to do something. We're going to go crazy. And our theme was clowns. And what we did was we bought the last year's Halloween stuff because it was always it's way cheaper than buying the current year's Halloween stuff. Right. So I spent 1300 but I got like almost $3,000 worth of Halloween gear because I mean, it's Halloween gear. It's not Gucci. You know, it doesn't really change that much <laughs> right. year to year. So we went with the clown theme and I had like a straight jacket. We had this like nine foot clown demon thing and, and chain and like all this stuff. And then the stuff with the clowns in 2016 started happening. And I was looking, (laughs) I was looking at this and I was like, bro, no one's going to let their kids anywhere near us guy. (laughs) (laughs) And my roommate Alan was like no, we spent the money. We're doing this. And I'm like, oh no, we're definitely doing it. I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not going to spend the kind of money we spent not do it. Like we're doing it. And like we had, we had three bins. We had a bin of like just cheap little candy, like dum-dums and stuff. And then we had a bin with like chocolates. And then we had a bin of full size candy bars. We were letting each kid pick from each bin. But like, we definitely had parents that wouldn't let their kid anywhere near our house. They They literally like would walk out to the street, past our house, then go to the neighbor's. And then at one point we had this guy, he came down our street and he was in a clown mask and like these like raggedy clothes and was carrying an actual knife and just walked down the center of our street, looking at people and like waving. Hmm. And we were like, "Really? <laughs> you didn't know people are getting shot for that right now. Ain't that the like dream. that was happening. Like people were getting killed for doing that, that clown thing. And I think, I think it originated, it was supposed to be like some sort of like movie promotion or something like that. And then there was uh, the very first thing that I heard about a clown just like standing on corners and creeping people out mm-hmm. and was this story of this guy. And I want to say it was Seattle. He was doing this in. Don't quote me on that. Could have been Detroit. You know what? Same thing. I think it was Detroit and he would dress as a clown and he just stand on the corner with like a bunch of black balloons and mm-hmm. he just like, weirded people out. And then the stuff with the and, like he made the news and then. There were, like, some, like, different, like, social media things going around. And then all this stuff with people doing clown stuff started happening because everyone's got a bandwagon jump somebody's stuff, you know?
0: Right. But you were having clowns, like, showing up in the deep woods of, like, North Carolina. I remember there was one.
1: Yeah. And, like, luring kids and stuff. Yeah. And
0: that, dude, like, hunters, like, were out in the woods, and they had captured a video of a clown walking through the woods with their cell phone or something. I remember watching this video that was from some news station in North Carolina or South Carolina and a hunter was in their tree stand. And I guess the, the clown didn't even realize that there was somebody in a tree stand and they were like 50 yards away. And this guy was just recording this clown walking through the woods with a, a machete You know, walking, like not even goofing around or anything, but just walking through the woods, man. And the whole clown thing just got really crazy. Like they had like this image where they showed like a map of where the hunter was. And it was so far in the woods. It was like a mile in the woods to the closest road in any direction and there was just a clown out there like people were doing some really strange shit people were seeing them in like drive throughs at mcdonald's or wendy's and or just seeing them on the side of the road uh over the jersey barrier you know along the wood line shit got creepy man it just took over the
1: whole united states it seemed like though seeing clowns in an urban setting like that is creepy it's not as scary as one being in the middle of the woods for no reason oh man like if i was at hunter i am I might have shot that guy like you definitely killed people you that's what you're doing out here you're killing people like if that
0: clown took a 90 degree turn and just started walking towards me there there would have been a thought in my mind to start lifting that rifle up man i might have started yelling at you like all right man that's enough <laughs> you 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 just keep going what do what you're doing
1: i remember watching the videos for it um and just why and like some of them were funny and like the clowns were like jumping on people's cars and stuff and then like i would come across the occasional video where like people just jump out of car and like i literally watched somebody dressed as a clown get shot and i'm like don't know how i came across that video don't know why youtube didn't filter it did not need to see that but be, they they were getting killed over it like and i don't understand why you would do something that's gonna provoke because like if you think about that if somebody is experiencing phobia, and you come at them dressed as a clown you know, especially like we if you live here in Pennsylvania, like do you know how many of us have license to carry? Right. Like, it's like one in 6 people or something like that. Like there are a lot of us out here on the street carrying a gun legally. And you're going right. to come at somebody, you know, dressed as a clown or something and they have coldrophobia and they're carrying, you're going to get shot or at least there's a really good chance they're going to shoot you. Yeah. That's crazy. Like if you think about like why would you ever put yourself in that position to do that? Like, it's funny that like, you're scaring the hell out of people. Like, all right, it's a little funny that you're scaring the hell out of people. But there's a lot of risk behind doing that. And then, like, on top of that, people don't know, like, are you just taking part in a fad? Or are you taking advantage of a fad and actually hurting people?
0: Or are you the next fucking John Wayne Gacy and you're going to fucking come at me, you know, stupid?
1: Right. That would have been that would have been John Wayne Gacy's playground. Everyone's doing it. I'm in.
0: Exactly. Like, let's let's talk about the dangers of the the things that could have happened because people were doing that. Like, what if someone had an obsession with John Wayne Gacy? There's insane people out there. They're looking for a sign from a greater power that says, Okay, now's the time to start dressing up like a clown and start killing young boys.
1: Oh, there's there was probably definitely somebody who had that thought. At least there's probably there's there's honestly probably somebody who did do it and got away with it. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of it. They probably did happen, and they just weren't caught.
0: I remember watching the news, and it was actually very interesting to watch back then, watch it all unfold and watch how, how much it spread across the United States. And I, I know that there, there was like this theory about some online group because it seemed to just pop up overnight, and a week later it was all over the country.
1: Yeah, like the most bizarre flash mob in the history of ever—
0: I remember being very intrigued by it and, and wanting to watch the news to see what was going on. And, you know, you had all those people that were making these theories about how this was paranormal in some way. And I think that's where I was really interested in it. But obviously it wasn't because real life people were taking real life bullets.
1: Do you think that colorephobia rates went up at an abnormally high scale during that time? Probably. Well, there's probably people walking around now, right now that are genuinely terrified of clowns now because of the whole incident.
0: Absolutely. I, I really do think that at least a handful, a decent handful of people are walking around right now with coolophobia or cholerphobia because of the 2016 clowns.
1: So then I mean that and that website's theory would be right. That Like modern uh, pop culture and stuff would definitely have a major hand in causing a phobia.
0: Yeah, I I don't I don't see why not. There's at least one person walking around on this planet that is now afraid of clowns because of the summer of 2016.
1: Right. They went around the bend somewhere and some dude jumped on their car and like waved a knife at them. And now they can't sleep at night.
0: Yep. Now they're afraid of fucking clowns.
1: I I, I wouldn't blame them. Oh, no. Scary as hell.
0: (laughs) I'm sure there's somebody that now has this phobia just from watching the news. Hmm. And and worrying and sitting there every night looking out their window, expecting to see a clown at the edge of their their yard.
1: Hmm. I'm sure it's just a fascinating phobia. It really, really is. It is. Yeah. Such low numbers for something that make it make it makes more sense to be afraid of clowns than it does to be, you know, agoraphobic. Yeah. Like, well, no, that's not true, because if I if I was in a situation, well, I don't necessarily need to feel that I need an escape route everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, if I'm in, like, a restaurant, like, I'm not looking, like, all right, where are the exits? Like, you no, know, it's not really something I'm concerned about. So, again, like, but it's just the the science behind the cold just makes sense. Oh, it does. And you're just like, you know, there are so many things that everyone's afraid of that don't make any sense at all. And we have high numbers of these fears. But something that makes total sense even in a scientifically rationalized manner and we have low numbers and then we have these bizarre people that are obsessed with them and love them and it's like why why do you love them what's going on in your head like what how how does your brain function to make something that most of the people at a minimum distrust and are at least a little uncomfortable why why are you in love with them yeah like what what is it about them? Like why do you love them as much as you do? Shoot, there was something else for phobias that I wanted to talk about at the end after covering that. And now I can't remember what it is.
0: <laughs> well, cool, man. I, I think that was a good episode. You know, I was a little worried about it. It was an interesting topic and I was interested in doing the research in it. But now after we recorded this, I was like, Yeah, that was a good that was a good episode, man.
1: Yeah, and it really it really sets a precedent when you when you're starting to think about some of the things we're gonna be covering coming up in the future. Yeah. Where it's like scientifically makes sense but people don't do it and then scientifically it doesn't make sense but people are doing it and why mm-hmm. why like we need we need a professional in the field of psychology to come on and explain this to us that that needs to happen
0: yeah you hear that psychologist we need you
1: we do we do, we do. you you spent a lot of time in medical school to learn why these things happen and uh we didn't so reach out to us we got in front of a microphone one day and Decided we were going to be podcasters with no formal training, so. At all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but all jokes aside, if you're a psychologist and you'd like to come on and talk to us on Infinite Rabbit Hole, reach out to us at infiniterabbithole at gmail.com. You can talk to either myself, CJ, or Wes. Any one of us would be willing to talk to you a little bit off air to kind of set something up and schedule. I think that would be a really interesting conversation to have that I would love to pick your brain about
1: mm-hmm. yeah for sure for sure
0: well cj if you you ain't got nothing else then uh i'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up
1: yeah man i'll go ahead and do that because oh i remember i kind of touched on it without realizing i touched on it it's like the just the people that are, are in love with the things that people are typically afraid of for no reason and says but i'm one of those people where i love snakes Ugh. typically people don't yeah I'd be wonder. I'd be interested in finding out what's going on inside my brain that makes me so different in that field than, say, you, who have that very atypical and completely logical fear of snakes brought to you from evolution. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, CJ, thanks for uh, coming on again with me today, man. Yeah. This was CJ's first choice for the lineup of Infinite Rabbit Hole. So this one was all CJ. I think that this was a good one, man.
1: I like weird stuff. Well, it's good because we Damn, do
0: weird stuff, stuff on it. here all the time. We got some weird stuff coming up for sure. That's going to leave people scratching their heads until next time, guys. We'll uh, see you down the infinite rabbit hole. Bye bye. <laughs> hey everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of infinite rabbit hole. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so at infinite rabbit at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash infinite RH. Follow us on Instagram at infinite underscore rabbit underscore hole. We're always looking for someone that has a story to share. So if you feel like you've experienced a strange encounter with something that you can't explain, reach out to us. Let us know. Come on. Have a good time. Tell your story. And if for some reason you don't want to show up on a podcast, send us a letter in our email in a format that we can read to the fans, and we'll be more than happy to read it to everybody. Well, that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time down the Infinite Rabbit Hole.